Welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you're not familiar with the Inside Scoop, it's a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they live in another city around the world. And this show is brought to you by Anytime Soccer Training. I am going to go off script on my Anytime Soccer Training plug by saying, if you're an adult, parent, coach doc that are listening this listening to me i am begging you go to anytime-soccer.com and check it out why i just did a workshop with a group of challenge players in my local area and the kids want to get better they just want to get better in a way that doesn't overwhelm them and when they did the five minute video and then they did the tag game and they were just so proud of what they accomplished and they were just so hype about it. And the coach was like, wow, now I got something that I can share with the families and the, and the coaches can see that the kids are, are doing it. And, you know, I'm just begging you to, there is a kid at your club right now who wants to take their game to the next level. Mom, dad are working. Mom, dad don't have a clue about how to help them get better. But mom and dad want to support you and they want to support their child. And if you give them a plan and say, do this, that kid is going to blow you away. And the best part is it is absolutely free. You can create teams for free and get all your little players on it. I see it all the time. Sometimes I feel like reaching out to these people when I see them in the app with all these teams. I'm like, man, y'all really taking advantage of the free stuff. And you get a lot of free content. And if you are inclined or if they're inclined to get access to the whole enchilada of 5,000 training videos, it's less than $5 for those for your team per player. So I'm begging you, get out of the way, man, and let them or, or woman and let these kids get those extra touches at home in a way. The safe, short, a lot of breaks, five minutes, Easy, um, easy to use, easy curriculum. So check out anytime-soccer.com to learn more about what we do. And please join for free. Now let's get on to the show. Now this is going to be a quick follow-up to the show I just did on um, a Q&A on habit formation. And yes, I'm beating a dead horse, but I wanted to do this show because I want to tie what I'm about to say in this particular framework. I want to tie that into everything that we've been saying before. Another reason I'm doing this show is because, quite frankly, sometimes I'll think of this stuff in the shower, and if I don't get it on, uh, get it onto the podcast instantly, I'll forget about it by the end of next week. So I definitely wanted to strike while the iron is hot. And finally, I'm doing this particular show because I've been talking to some DOCs, talking to some coaches, and I'm not a trained. You can, you obviously know, I'm not a trained coach in that way. And they're able to give, in our conversations, they were able to give me. So specific examples that uh, enlighten me, but something that I want to share with you guys. And so I want to invite them on. So I needed to do this show so that I have one in particular can listen to it so that he can give me um, his feedback on what I'm saying, you know, tell me I'm a, I'm a moron, and then help us dig deeper into what, you know, what it might look like on the training pitch, because he gave me some excellent examples of what this might look like on a training pitch as it relates to habit formation. All right, so now a couple of uh, norms slash disclaimers. We are going to talk about good habits, bad habits, what that means, whatever. But 
we got to ring fence this conversation and control for a couple of things. I'm not talking about all habits in general. I don't know. I'm not talking about you biting your nails or eating ice cream, uh, you know, at eight o'clock, even though you're at eight o'clock PM, even though you're on a diet or, you know, no, I'm not talking about any chemical uh, substance abuse issues. That's Those are habits, but that's a totally different thing. I'm not even qualified to talk about the habits that I'm going to talk about now, let alone those types of habits. So we just, no. I'm also not talking about different sports, right? Because I think there are some unique, they're overlapping and unique qualities and features of each sport. So I'm not talking about the throwing motion of a baseball player or, you know, gymnastics or swimming or the throwing motion of a NFL quarterback. I think those are another areas that I'm sure people weigh in on. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm not even really qualified to talk about soccer, let alone other sports in that regard. So I'm not talking about the whole body of work of habits within uh, at athletics. I'm just talking specifically about me, Neil Crawford, my observations and my insight and my perspective and my opinions on this very narrow topic. So the next disclaimer, not really disclaimer, but let me tee this up. I did a podcast um, a few months ago, I think, uh, in search of unicorns where I talked about I often hear this, but I don't see it in reality. I hear this, but I don't see it in reality very often. And that's the kid or the individual who spends all this extra time on their craft, but is just practicing it or playing it in the wrong way or practicing it in a way that's going to develop some kind of habit that now later we have to fix. Now, I know this is one that's controversial, but, um, you know, the, you know, what, what will happen is a parent will share a video, a parent will say, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. This has been my experience. Or a parent will seek advice on how can I help my child. And, and our well-meaning private trainers will always jump on and say, you can do this, but make sure they don't, you can't make sure they don't form bad, bad habits. And I kind of liken it to, you know, nutrition is coming to a, to a seminar saying, you can eat your fruits and vegetables, but just make sure you stay away from the wild mushrooms. Right. Because if you eat the wild mushrooms, they're going to kill you. And then now everybody's paralyzed. Like, oh, my God, I can't I don't know which fruits and vegetables to eat. And I know they don't mean anything by it, but that's been my that was my impression. Like, oh, you can help your child, but make sure you don't they don't form any bad habits. Right. And you're like, OK, well, what are those are? What are those? And I'm here to say and I'm going to support our parents and our trainers and our coaches who are on the grind doing this stuff to say. When someone is investing a lot of their own additional time, they out there playing around, they out there kicking the ball, they out there experimenting, and they doing this hours and hours, and they're just passionate about it. At least from my experience, I have not seen a situation within that kid uh, is coming to me dribbling the ball with the inside of their foot passing the ball with their toes like parent and child are out there every every day for an hour working on stuff and neither parent nor child has the common sense to say i don't know what i'm doing let me check out youtube to see the correct form and let's try to do that or child is not looking at their friends who are good at this thing saying oh he he don't dribble with the inside of his foot you know i don't see it there are natural tendencies that do need to be broken like i deal with deal with kids um in the volunteer capacity in my uh, hispanic club and some of them do a lot of passing with the outside of their foot unnecessarily because they're not two-footed that kind of thing and i can see that but again the practice deficit is still there it's not like they 
going home and practicing that technique hours and hours and, and not doing any additional research. So there's some of that, but I just want to dispel that in the area of habits, I don't think that's, when people say, oh, you can form bad habits, I don't think that's a realistic or or, or real, real, um, yeah, realistic or reasonable uh, assertion in most of the cases that I'm familiar with. So now that I said that, which is, hey, we're going to keep this thing narrowly focused on soccer and then the game performance. And hey, I'm not talking about the kid that going in the backyard, kicking the ball uh, a thousand times, but using the heel of their foot instead of the inside of their foot. I don't see that happening. So I know that might be controversial in some circles, but that's just that's just my opinion. Okay, so now that we said those two things, then what are we talking about? Well, I'm going to posit uh, a framework for us to think about, you know, when someone says so-and-so is developing a bad habit or so-and-so has a bad habit and they're watching these games, I'm going to share a framework of how I think about it and the lens I would use to think about it and then how I would use that lens to challenge our coaches if I were able to talk to them, Okay. Now, before I share that lens, there is one more thing. So we talked about in the previous podcast, I don't feel like I'm going to form a bad habit. I'm not looking both ways before I cross the street if I'm going into my bedroom because I know the environment is different, you know, and there is something to be said about giving some theoretical information, theoretical knowledge, like, hey, we're going to practice crossing the street. We're going to do it in the bedroom because it's really safe for you. But eventually we got to transfer that on to the real to the real street. So there's something there, but at the end of the day, the environment is so different that I can walk into my bedroom a zillion times without looking both ways. And the moment I go to uh, to the street in the highway and try to do it, I am going to look both ways. And even if you went so far as to try to force me not to look both ways when I got to that street, I'm gonna do it. And now what I would have said in that uh, previous podcast, so even with my younger, older son, because they do this stuff so much, they check in their service so much in training and because the way they set up the training environment, even if I were to try to train him not checking his shoulder out of him, I would struggle to be able to do that because because the environment because all the environmental cues um, and all the repetition in those environments would overwhelm him and he would still be he would still do it. All right. So that's a precursor to the framework. So when So when someone says, when someone observes that there's a bad habit that a player has in a game, I think what they are observing, if indeed this is a bad habit, are the combination of these four elements. They're observing the result of these four elements, some kind of way being out of, something's not happening correctly with these four elements. Something is yeah, these four elements, these this if you look at these four elements, I think you can kind of put put a picture together as to why what you're seeing that you perceive to be a bad habit in the game is happening. So the first element is the environment that the player is performing that bad habit, you know, often. So the training environment in this case or even the game environment, the environment that the player is performing that behavior is very similar, very similar to the environment, to the real environment they're gonna need to execute that behavior, which that behavior is not 
um, satisfactory to be successful. And God, I had to get my thoughts together. But what I'm basically saying is the, the club or the coach or the session has created an environment that requires a certain behavior, but they have created that environment in such a way that there's a way to solve the problems of that environment that will not be a solution later in the real environment. So in other words, the training environment or the scrimmage environment, it doesn't really matter. It looks like a game. It sounds like a game or a game moment. It acts like a game or a game moment. It has all the elements of a game or a game moment. But there's something about it that doesn't translate nicely and equivalently to the game or the game moment. And because of that, it, it gives the impression that you're doing the right thing. It gives the impression to the player that this is acceptable when it's really, really not, right? So an example could be maybe lack of intensity. So everything is the same. You know, the the space is the same, the you know, the the drill is the same, the instructions is the same, but it doesn't have that lack of it doesn't have the intensity that's requisite for that particular age group and that level. And and that intensity is so different than or so less than what is going than the intensity of the game that you're able to do things and it promotes a behavior that you're not gonna get away with in the in the real game. So that's one element of of a uh, that has to that normally is in place when a bad habit is forming. The other element is they are there are a lack of real and or perceived consequences. So uh, I used the word punishment early in the other podcast, and I should have used consequences. Someone pointed that out to me. I mean consequences. So. That environment that we talked about, maybe it does have the intensity. Maybe it does. It looks like a game, acts like a game, all that kind of stuff. But they're not real consequences that the player is feeling from because they're doing these actions that are actually not going to be successful in the, in the real game when it does have consequences. And you may say, well, what do you mean? Well, I use my younger son's club as an example. I don't want to, I'm not criticizing him at all, at all. I'm actually just, you, you can't see me, but I'm just thinking of a trying to find an example. It might be a situation where at the beginning of practice, they let they let these guys, because they're pretty young, right? So I don't have a problem with it. They let these guys just play, right? So they put up some goals and they might do 3v3 or 2v2 or 3, 3v2, whatever. They just play. My son loves it. He he, he has great time. That's one of the reasons I put him in the club. He loves it. He'll get there early and he'll stay late. He enjoys it so much that sometimes they'll have him train with an older team and then he'll get on my last nerves asking me to stay to watch his buddies play, right? Because they just enjoy it. And I think the club does a wonderful job of that. 
But anyways, when they do these little small sided games, and I think it's part of their philosophies that sort of kind of, quote unquote, let the kids figure things out, give them opportunity to play, be be kids, whatever. And that's fine. But if I have to be critical, they'll let them do that and they'll be doing their own thing, talking, no instruction, blah, blah, blah. But then when the actual game comes, right, now we bring in all this instruction. Now we asking the kids questions. Why, why are you doing this? What are you seeing? And if I have to be hypercritical, right, and I'm only doing this for entertainment purposes because I got a lot of people always tell me, oh, you like, no, this is just entertainment purposes <laughs> and just to further the conversation because there might be someone out there listening across uh, America who is having a similar situation. So I'm not criticizing my club in that way. So if I have to be hypercritical, I'm saying, you, you, yeah, but you can't, you can't, you can't have them do all this. Like if you have this philosophy just to let them play and leave them alone and, you know, let them figure this thing out. Then when you get to the organ organized game, which I don't think is particularly relevant uh, or practical, I mean, not practical, sorry, important in terms of their development. Now you can't do this whole, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing. Like you can't be all serious then because you didn't train like that. It has to kind of, you can have some fun, but you know, whatever that instruction you were trying to give them, you trying to give them in the game when the intensity and pressure is on and the consequences are real, you got to create that kind of environment in the, in the training environment. Now, I'm not saying they don't, I'm just using this as one anecdotal story that I have seen uh, on more than one occasion, the training environment not have these real consequences baked into it. And then the game environment that does have these real consequences, you get a Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde thing. You get a, you know, it's like a Mr. Hyde on the sidelines during the game and then, uh, or Dr. Jekyll, okay, or it's Dr. Jekyll on the sidelines and then Mr. Hyde sort of, okay, I get him mixed up, but the good guy, the good cop is on the, during the game, during practice and the bad cop is on the sidelines, whatever. So. I do think you have to incorporate that more into the training environment. So we talked about the environment. It looks like a game, acts like a game. And now, therefore, the behaviors that are required to solve the problems are similar to the behaviors that are, so that are required to solve the problem. But the environment, so the environment there, the conditions are there, and that's important. But there's normally some a few things missing in that environment that are critical. Then we talked about the fact that you've got to have some kind of consequences or the behavior for the for the habits that you want to break or the behaviors you want to promote, which then goes on to the behaviors you want to promote. You need to have a reward, right? And that reward needs to be in the context of a risk and reward. So we talked about consequences. So going back to my younger son's example, you know, they might score five goals and win, but they lost the ball 20 times. So yeah, there's a reward because they scored, but they lost the ball 20 times and there's no, so the score, the score is there's no, there's no risk reward associated with it. And so you have to build in that risk reward, that risk reward calculation has to be part of the mix. Otherwise everybody's a winner. So I joke with my younger son and he's going to hear this. I joke with him. He may dilly dally with the soccer ball, you know, cause he, he works on his foot skills. So he'll mess around, do this, mess around, do that. And that's good. It promotes, you know, a, a sense of freedom and time on the ball and creativity to some extent. But it's no real consequence. So he can do that, right? I lose the ball, so what? I just go back and grab it again. Because we almost like free playing. No, no problem. 
And then I score. I just remember that I scored. I don't remember that I lost the ball 15 times. So I do think you have to have some degree of rewards, right? Because you have to reward that behavior that you want. But that reward has to be in the framework of a risk reward. If it's just a reward with no risk and no consequences, uh, I don't think it's realistic to what is going to actually happen in the game. Right. And that's what I go back and forth with my buddies on about 1v1. They say, Neil, surely one playing 1v1 is a game like drill or exercise. And I'm like, yes, playing 1v1 in the backyard or playing 1v1 with your friend has important game elements and you cannot go wrong. But what I try to explain, it doesn't have, which it doesn't go well, it doesn't have that, it doesn't have those decisions. And it doesn't have the risk reward. See, when I'm playing 1v1 against someone, I'm just trying to beat them off the dribble and score. So the risk reward is not anything near what it is in a real game. Because in a real game, I'm always calculating. I can take this risk and try to beat this guy. I can pull it back. I can reset. I can keep possession. I can pass the ball to someone who has a more qualitative advantage. Right. Yeah, I can beat this guy, but I know I'm not that good on the ball. My midfielder, he's excellent. Let me get him the ball in, in space. You know, what are we trying to accomplish here? What is the score? What, what, you know, how much time is on the clock? All these things have to be in place for it to really be game like in the way that people uh, say. So, what are you working on? You're working on those individual moments, which are extremely important. And this is an aside to say, I'm kind of rambling. I hope you can follow me. But that's why I'm saying, even as a company, anytime soccer training, and even as a dad who works with a kid, I have limitations. You have limitations. And that's why you need people who uh, who have the resources, the experience, the motivation, the knowledge to help you on this journey. And what we are trying to do with this podcast is further the conversation so that I don't hold people accountable is not the right word, but it's more like, how do we know that what they're doing is, is really developing our child? How should we begin to think about it? And I'm only positing one way of thinking about it because no one else, I, I listen to all this podcast and I didn't hear anybody else saying it. They say it from the coach's perspective, but not from the person watching perspective. And I'm doing that so that others can come on and say, no, 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 you, you're here, you're right here, but right here, you need to think through this. That's an aside. And then the final thing is there has to be some knowledge transfer that's relevant, accurate, timely, all that stuff in that environment at that moment to either instill or forge or break the habits that you're seeing in these games. Now, I am so hesitant to say there has to be because that can sound too strongly like the coach has to tell the kid everything. And I think people get hung up on this. There are a lot of ways to transfer knowledge. There are a lot of learning models, right? There's collaborative, there's directive, there's peer learning. So you pick the model that you want there's discovery, there's self-discovery, there's exploration. You pick the model that you want to help get this information across. And people get, I go back and forth with people because they don't, 
but the but the knowledge needs to be transferred right the knowledge needs to be given to the player the information needs to be given to them and and you know how you as a coach <laughs> how you decide to give that information to them it could be film i mean you know it could be uh data data driven right it could be algorithmic like okay you do this it could be progressive like i you know how you decide to give that knowledge to them that's not what i'm talking about what i'm saying is uh you know i hate to get biblical but they gotta drink they gotta eat from the from the tree of knowledge they have to see the light some kind of way you can't have someone who doesn't know how to play the game in the style that you as a coach or you as a club or you as a director of coaching or you as a parent want them to play and you have to have a vision of how you want the game to be played i think this also um gets hung up a lot on social media yes the kids are are going to um, learn on their own and adapt and blah 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 but i am an adult i have an idea of how i want the game to be played I have to, right? I have to. And my, and my idea on how I want the game to be played is maybe these are some foundational things that everybody needs to have, and you, and that's going to allow you to play the game in a, in a certain, uh, in any kind of any type of system. And when you get older, we'll narrow that down to the how we play. I don't know. So since I did so much rambling, let me just recap this framework, and then I'm going to open it up to public discussion. Number one. Habits are formed in the environment that's relevant for that behavior. So if you're going to create a bad habit, as we often hear people talk about in these games, I think one of the components is they're performing this bad habit consistently with a lot of repetitions in that environment. That's similar to the game, but something's a little off. It could be intensity. Um, it could be attention to detail. It could be a lot of different things. So maybe in this environment, it looks like a rondo. It acts like a rondo. It acts like a game, but maybe they're not required to open up and because it's so big, they can get away with something. Or maybe they can take 15 touches because they're playing against, they're in an environment that's so big and the qualitative advantages and disadvantages are so great. Whatever, I don't know. Then there has to be some kind of level, some degree of consequences that are similar to uh, the consequences that are going to be uh, relevant in the game. So, you know, we go back to the cross in the street, right? You, you know, to really force this habit, you got to go out and, and you got to go out there on the road and you got to cross the street and you're going to do it with your parent a lot. And those consequences are real and you're going to see them. And then there has to be some kind of reward, right? Just like in the game, that's part of the environment. But my caveat to that is that reward needs to be tied to um, a risk factor. Because if you just, and I see this a lot in these small sided games, there's a lot of rewarding, but not much risk. And you might say, well, when they lose the ball, Neil, that's that's a consequence and a risk. Yeah, but the but the the thought of how important is this? How important is this losing the ball? How important is it that we keep possession? Sometimes I don't think that's uh, emphasized enough. So it gives the, so the child has a um, a bias, I guess you'd say, to remembering the good things like they scored, but not really focusing on the things that, on why did we lose the ball and why are we constantly losing possession? 
And then finally, there has to be a degree of knowledge transfer at those specific moments that really, really matter and that are relevant in that environment that is similar to the same environment, similar to the environment of the game. And that knowledge transfer can be done in a lot of different ways. And I don't want to split hairs on that. There's it ranges the gamut and you and you as an individual in a club and then dealing with your particular players, you guys can you're going to you're going to do that based on what your situation is, situation is. But some information has to be transferred. Oftentimes, at least in my experience, and I'm being a little critical here. Sometimes I do see a lack of information being transferred and the response that I read into is, oh, well, you know, we let the kids are going to basically figure things out. I'm like, yeah, okay, but you know, how are we, how are we helping them in that regard? So, being a little critical there, but the knowledge, there's the knowledge has to be transferred. And then let me say one more thing on this. That's um, it's sort of an aside, but it's something I commonly hear. I thought I would drop it. Sometimes we as parents, especially when we stand on the sidelines, and and I hear my friends have conversations, that will say they'll say something like, um. Oh, you know, he's 10 now and he's getting he can get away with that. But when he gets to be 15, he's not going to be a, be able to get away with that particular thing that they perceive to be a bad habit. And I'm not a trained coach in that way regard. So it's very difficult to, for me to talk too much in detail. But I do know enough about this matter to know that um, you got to remember that, you know, uh, we have to keep things developmentally appropriate. I have seen it time. Oh, two things. We got to keep things developmentally appropriate. And we have to remember that your player, especially if they've been training the right way, is an intelligent person. And so they respond to the environment they're in. And so those are the big things you have to remember. So what that looks like is, you know, when I'm crossing my neighborhood street, I might look over to the right for a couple of seconds. Then mosey over and look over to the left for a couple of seconds, then look back over to the right and then casually walk across the street. Why? Because I'm responding to the environment that I'm in right now. Now, you put me on I-85 and my car broke down. I got across the street. I'm looking every two seconds. And then as soon as I get a moment, I'm running across the street. Why? Because I'm responding to the environment that I'm in. And so there is something to be said about, you know, if you in an environment where the speed of play is slow and you're and you're being slow. Maybe there's something to eventually you need to be exposed to a faster, fast paced trading, uh, not training environment, but game environment, which I actually think you can recreate the training environment irrespective of the level of the kid. But that's for another show. But I have seen it time and time again that kids who have these this foundation and have this knowledge and know how to play when they are faced with this higher degree of adversity, maybe they're playing a couple of years up or when they get older or they're playing higher level competition, if they have that foundational stuff down, it does take them some time to adjust, but normally they're okay. You can see it. I, I can see it. I'm not even a soccer guy, but I can see pretty quickly that this person has, you know, they have the foundation. They, they, they have the intangibles and the tangibles they need to be able to release the ball, move the ball, get into space. They understand how to play the game. And so I don't worry too much about that. And I know that even with my older son, you know, if he plays kids his age, he might get the ball and be dribbling and doing all this kind of stuff. Then he might play kids four years older. I know he's going to pass, move, and get into space. 
if he plays under this for one a certain team that has this type of his main team that has this type type of style of play, he knows how they have to play. Then he plays in the Hispanic League. He knows how they play. He adapts. So I think I, I'm so hesitant to read too much into what you see in those games if you can't tie it to what's going on, what's twirling around in that kid's head and the training environment that you're watching and they're experiencing every day. This was a ramble, guys. wasn't as, um, I don't know, it wasn't as uh, succinct as some of the other ones may have been, but I really wanted to go ahead and get it on on uh, tape now so that for food for thought so that we can uh, continue to have this conversation. All right, guys, Neil Crawford, Anytime Soccer Training. Let's get better together.